following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people, and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer, and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's, directions, or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. Bible reading is from Isaiah chapter 7, verses, verses 10 to 16. Again the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the, the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of thy God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. He will be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and the right. No, and choose the right, sorry. For before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. The second Bible reading is from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25, which is on page six, no, 965 of the Church Bible. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, And you are to give him the name Jesus, because he'll save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate the marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Josh. I'm just going to pray for Claire before she speaks to us. Father, we thank you for Claire. Thank you for the way that she has sought after you in her preparation of this sermon. And as she delivers it now, pray that you'd anoint her with your spirit and that her words may be your words to us. In the name of your Son. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everybody. I thought uh, we're still in Advent, but as it's nearly Christmas, perhaps we could manage a little quiz. I don't know if any of you are familiar or fans of the TV show, Have I Got News For You, but they always have a picture round. So we have a picture round, I'm hoping, this morning. So there are four pictures on there. 
And the idea of the picture round is that they all have something in common, yet one is still distinctly different. So if we have a little look at those, the top left one perhaps is not very clear, but some of you might remember the very first National Lottery adverts back in all of 1994, apparently. Little did I know. Were you born, Tom? <laughs> the other one, Simpsons. The Simpsons, they're taking a little Mickey take on the wristband. What would Jesus do? And it's got what would Jesus brew? This one at the bottom, it's actually Gandalf on a horse, if you're a fan of the Lord of the Rings. And then the young man to the side, anybody know who that is? Harry Styles, I heard a whisper, well done, somebody. Harry Styles of One Direction fame. Anybody got any idea what they've all got in common? No, I, I usually can't do the picture round either. So they, they are all to do with signs. Yes? So the National Lottery campaign was all about looking for, there might be this magic hand from the sky, it could be you, pointing down at you. Gandalf told the other characters in the film at dawn on the fifth day, look to the east, he was looking for a sign. The odd one out is Harry Styles, because he sang about It's a Sign of the Times. That was his first solo single. Hey, we all love a sign, it would seem. I wasn't just testing your pop knowledge. So the signs, they're the stuff of legends for some perhaps, perhaps for others, the only thing worth reading in the Daily Mail. When you work night shifts as I did in a hospital, one of the perks is that patients donate you their papers at bedtime. They always seem to be, I don't know why, either the Sun or the Daily Mail. So inevitably, you get asked, oh, what's your star sign? Let me read you your stars. I tried different ways to respond to this, some more successful than others. Usually, I said something about who I was prepared to trust in life and why. Fundamentally, no matter what signs we look for in life, God is still in charge. Our scripture readings today were both about signs and revealed to us the extent to which God is in charge. The prophet Isaiah has told one of the kings of the day to ask God for a sign. Now, prophets are peculiar people in the Bible, but they're never independent wackos. They're seated in the tradition of the Torah as people of God, who speak the word of God as God has given them utterance. Often what God gives a prophet to say is not necessarily what people want to hear. The definition of a false prophet is, of course, someone telling people exactly what they do want to hear, flattering to deceive. The theologian Walter Brueggemann suggests that prophets utter the unutterable to silencing cultures. In other words, when a culture is seeking to control from its earthly seat of power, whoever 
is the strong man of the moment, and I'm sorry it is so often a man. The culture will do its utmost to silence whatever voices are raised in opposition with an unpopular message. The climate change activist Greta Thunberg would be one of those voices today. Rather unpopular with those who hold power, but ringing true with many concerned for the state of the natural world. I don't think in biblical terms we can call her a prophet. And I think if you only listened to Miss Thunberg, you might actually begin to feel very over-anxious about the state of the world because she cites the solution solely at our feet and does not point us towards God in any way. But there's no doubt that when we have severe fires in one part of the world and flood warnings in another, it's hard to reject what she has to say. Nonetheless, it's still quite hard to change our habits. So prophets tell us what we don't really want to hear. Ahaz, the ruler of Judah, is getting it in the neck from Isaiah. If we look back in chapter 3 of Isaiah, Judah as a people are very happy to seek signs from soldiers, elders, diviners, prophets, sorcerers, magicians, or counselors, in fact, just about anyone but God. The people have not been worshipping God in the way they know they should, and all their misdemeanors have been flowing from that. Until now, the poor and vulnerable are suffering, and God is going to call a halt to it. Isaiah's message, therefore, simultaneously sets God up in opposition to his people. They are not living the way he has told them to. And at the same time, he's inviting them to get on board. There is a different way to live. God is offering rescue, but on his terms, not the way Ahaz has been running things. By the time we get to our chapter 7 reading, the dialogue between ruler and prophet has reached almost pantomime proportions. Isaiah is saying, go on, ask for a sign. Ahaz is saying, no, no, I won't. Ahaz does seem to be a bit between a rock and a hard place. Surrounded by enemies, Ahaz could do with God's help. But the help and offer from God is not necessarily what Ahaz wants. The prophet has exposed the weak leadership of Ahaz rather like a nasty sore that will need cleansing before it can be healed. So the nation has turned away from God and is in a mess. War and destruction are crouching at the door. So once a prophet has told us what we don't want to hear, what then? What else? do prophets do? Prophets invite us to re-engage with God. And I think we see two of those ways here. Firstly, they give us a larger piece of the picture. There's a lot more going on in the world than the little kingdom of Judah. Now maybe Ahaz needed to be reduced to size a little. Maybe he just needed to be shown that there is more going on. God is at work in the world. Ahaz is not the one in charge, but God is. Secondly, prophets 
help us regain perspective. The heart of Ahaz and those of his people shaking as trees in a forest at the enemy before them. But to God, according to Isaiah, the enemy of his people is no worse than two smoldering stumps. Ahaz, in his wandering away from God, has lost perspective. His enemies seem enormous in his fear. So it's through the prophets and the prophetic that God invites us to re-engage with him and participate in his plans. For Ahaz and the people of Judah, there's an invitation to return to life in God's will, to stand firm in faith rather than doing what is right in their own eyes. If God is their head, rescue is possible. The promise of hope is that God is with them. I'm quite sure Ahaz didn't really understand the sign of the woman with child who should be called Emmanuel, and if he thought that was going to happen next week, he would have been really disappointed. But he would have understood the various points in Isaiah's speech that are punctuated with age-old truths and exhortations. Do not be afraid. Walk in my ways. Stand firm. God is with you. The Lord is God and he will bring these things to pass. The signs we need to pay attention to are those given to us in ways we can trust. Signs that point us back to God and reassure us that God is in charge. Hindsight is a beautiful thing, is it not? The interpretation of Isaiah's words as a messianic sign are revealed in Matthew's gospel. Only this time the prophetic signs and reassurance come through a dream. Dreams in the ancient world were believed to be a very reliable source of signs. Joseph is a man of faith who is trying to do the right thing by the woman he is engaged to and the society he lives in. But God steps in with a sign because God is in charge and will bring his purposes about. There's so much I could say about dreams here because it's one of the ways God speaks to me and I find it exciting. In our rational thinking society today, it can be hard to pay attention to dreams, much easier to dismiss them as flights of fancy or the rubbish pit of the mind turning over the previous events of the day. There's one dream I'd like to share with you that came to mind as I was preparing for this. We were on holiday and received a text from friends of ours telling us they were in hospital with their two-week-old baby who was struggling to breathe. First baby, very scared parents, but as people of faith, they were asking others to pray. That night, I don't have a toddler running towards me, all blonde curls and big blue eyes and an enormous smile. I woke immediately and was convinced it was a dream from the Lord. But you know, I was so concerned because the worst thing of all would have been to give false hope to those parents. I hadn't even seen the baby. How could I say everything was going to be fine? But I prayed and I felt God reassure me that the dream was from him. I then rationally thought through my dream. If this was a toddler, then this baby was going to survive beyond infancy. After that, I had no idea 
So I sent a text describing the dream that I sensed. It was to give them hope that their baby would survive and that they were to stand firm in faith, trusting that God was with them. The baby did recover and life moved on. I forgot all about that dream. Do you know, it was only when the parents stood up with their baby to have their baby baptised, their big blue-eyed, blonde, curly-haired, smiley baby, that uh, his mum told her story of their fear in hospital, their desperate texts for prayer. The hope that that dream gave them at the time that I remembered that I'd had that dream. What a witness to the friends and family who came to that baptism of a baby, of a God who is with us, who is at work in our lives, who holds a bigger picture, and who at times gives us signs to reassure us. It's been a rather unusual Advent season in our country this year, with a cloud of Brexit giving way to a general election before the fog descends once again. It's quite hard to discern hope from what the media portray of our politicians and the promises that they make. In many ways, our life as a nation seems more uncertain this Christmas than it has for many a year. And there's no doubt that there are times in life when we're scared, we're desperate for God to intervene. And in our fear, we can lose sight of the big picture. Life can feel overwhelming. There's no sign from God. The temptation to look elsewhere for comfort or to put our faith in something or someone else more solid can be very strong. On those days and in these times, it's so important to keep our face, our gaze, ourselves so fixed on God. A friendly monk once told me how when he thinks God is asking him to do something impossible, then the fact that it looks impossible is one of the ways he can be reassured that this is from God. No doubt Joseph thought God was asking him to play his part in something that sounded altogether impossible, difficult, bizarre. I can't imagine Joseph really understood all that the angel was saying to him. But throughout that message from the angel, there was punctuated age-old truths and exhortations. Do not be afraid. Stand firm. God is with you. God is going to save his people. God is in charge. This morning, our challenge is what? To pray? Yes. I think Pete Gregg from 24-7 Prayer International has been one of our modern-day prophets over the last 20 years as he has called what has become the world back into a deeper relationship of prayer with God. And from that has flowed a deeper concern for the world through justice. So yes, I think we are called to pray at this time. We're called to remember through encouragement to one another and through reading of scripture that God is in charge. God is going to save his people. And whether we can see how or when or whether we see nothing at all, the only sign we really need was given long ago 
through the birth of Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St Nick's Durham podcast. If you'd like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.